Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and, and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? He is a king. He's a king with a kingdom that we're going to experience tonight, but you have to look close. Pilate didn't see it. It's a really small thing that I haven't even mentioned to Joni, because um, I mean, it's, you've done this a thousand times. I was driving the van, not something I do too often, but not too irregular, and I'm at whatever store I'm at, and I, and I hop out of my, my Honda Odyssey, and I scoot into the store, and I'm coming back out, and I'm coming from a different angle, from the, the back side this time, and I'm looking, and there's a huge dent, and the, the tail light is broken, and I'm, I'm angry. I, I can tell this didn't just happen. There's, there's no glass or anything on, on the ground, but I'm, I'm walking up to my, my Honda Odyssey, and I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry with my wife that she didn't tell me. Like, how, how is this possible that, that she, and like, she couldn't have forgotten. And, and I'm angry just that it happened. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be a pain. All of these different things. And, and, I'm, and I'm jamming on the key fob to unlock the door, and the, the stupid door won't unlock because it's not my car. <laughs> it's a Honda Odyssey. It's not my Honda Odyssey was the wrong one. It, was, it wasn't the vehicle, it was mine. And what should have been the evidence to that? It's broken. You see, the, the kingdom of this world isn't the one that Jesus is king of. And you want to know the evidence to that? It's broken. It's as simple as that. It's broke. It's full of sin. It's, it's full of evil and lies. But, but just like the, the vehicle deceived me into thinking this is real, this is reality, that, that it's real, that my, my wife was careless or irresponsible or hiding something from me, or all of these things, that the just looking 
at this, I believed. When we look right at what's in front of us, right before our very eyes, and we don't look any further than that, just like Pilate, looking at Jesus, just simply looked and said, King, where's your kingdom? And, and it's as if Jesus is standing in this broken, absolutely destroyed mess of a world going, well, this ain't it. But I never said it was. And we're the ones who get frustrated with this broken world as if God, who's the king of this place, has somehow left it to disrepair. Well, no, that's, that's not... That's not at all what is transpiring on Good Friday. What's transpiring on Good Friday is we are seeing the, the lies, the deception, the falsities, the, the vagaries, all, all of the deception of the world fully exposed. But you only see it exposed if you hear the truth. If you're not listening to what is true, you'll never know that this is a lie. If you're not hearing and seeing that there are angels and archangels and all of the company of heaven laud and magnifying his holy name, those who remember the old liturgy, right? If you, don't, if you don't know that what is true is his kingdom is glorious and perfect, if you don't know that his kingdom is without suffering, without pain, without any lies or deception, if you don't know that, then of course you're going to think that this is the truth. And so Pilate looks at Jesus and he thinks he's pathetic and broken, crazy, a liar, all of the things the world would be glad to tell you about Jesus. We keep our eyes over here to those things that, that ring true because they are true. In, in our guts, deep down, that seed of faith that just doesn't let go of us says, there, there must be more. There must be something better. There must be something designed by God for me, for eternity. And we hear the vision of Jesus in his kingdom from John. And in that moment, we say, yes, Lord, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom I belong to. And for the meantime, I reside and live and suffer and will even die with Jesus in this one. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created.
Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. crown is an interesting piece of hardware, jewelry, decoration. What do we understand a crown to be? I know this, to, to take a crown and to assume that I have a right, the privilege, the honor, the duty, whatever it is, to place this crown on my head and to, to take upon my shoulders and myself all that it pertains to, it's pretty arrogant. It means this land, this people, the laws, the, the resources, all of this are directed by my whim at my command, however I want it is something many aspire to, many reach to, to have this authority, whether it is in a literal way to, to rule a country or a province or, or just in general to have control even in my own life, my own sphere of influence, to be king of myself, of my family, of, of whatever it may be. To, to be that is something that we all really aspire to. We reach for it. We reach for that crown. Not Jesus. That crown was violently placed on him. He took the crown. It was pressed into him, not to give honor and not to signify what a crown ought to. The deception and the lie here is you are powerless. You are unable to defend yourself. You're unable to stop any of this. You have no control. The mockery, the, the, the lies, all of it right there so evident to be seen that they're making fun of this supposed king with this crown. But in the kingdom of God, we see these diadems, these crowns that elders are wearing, signifying the, the 12 Old Testament and the 12 New Testament. Right? The patriarchs, the leaders of the families in the Old Testament of the tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles of the New Testament, these 24 are wearing crowns. What do they do? In his kingdom, you bow and you take off your own crown that's been given to you. It's the crown of salvation. You've been honored with the gift of eternal life. You've been honored to be crowned prince and princess of the kingdom of God. You've been honored to be called his own child, loved by him. And in this kingdom, we do what we know is true and right. 
which is we then still bow our heads and still cast our crowns before the throne of the king of all of eternity, of the entire universe. This is what we know a king, a queen, a prince, a princess ought to do, to humbly serve, to, to be one of truth and justice and, and have sincerity and the genuine cares of other people at heart first and foremost. This is, is we know this, but in this world in we, which we live, those with more power are more corrupt. Those with more influence that wield it for themselves. Those who have the ability to suppress and oppress others find ways, not only to do that, but to weave together thorns to oppress and suppress the truth in a way that is mocking. And if you're weak of heart and weak of mind and, and, and you're weak of faith, you look and you go, geez, I don't know, he's really getting beat up. Maybe. Maybe he's not so powerful. Maybe he's not so great. And, and the lie that the world is trying to tell us is that Jesus is insufficient, he is weak, he's the liar. He's the one who wants to grab power, who doesn't deserve it, doesn't, doesn't wield it well or for your benefit. But if we just listen to the vision of John, we see the king coming to rescue us. The king riding in power. A two-edged sword coming from his mouth with angels and archangels again. The, the armies of heaven coming to our aid and to our rescue. We see the king who, who was humble, who did lower himself and even sacrifice himself, even die for us. What we know, what we know is true, that that's how a king should reign. Not like that world, but we see in his kingdom, yet again, the truth. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in a fine linen, white and pure, we're following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. 
When the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. From thence on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. I got some questions. <laughs> the resurrection, I've got questions. I'm going to ask all sorts of questions about history and science and how the universe works, all sorts. I've got so many questions, and I'm, I'm sure you do too, but I know one question you're not going to ask, and I'm not going to ask. As we're there, and we see a rider on a white horse with eyes like fire with a, a robe dipped in blood with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth in power and might and glory with Lord of Lord and King of Kings literally tattooed all over him, not going to go, which one's Jesus? It's definitely that guy, definitely. But over here, we have a lot of uncertainty. I mean, you probably picked up on it with Pilate over the years hearing the story a few times. He's not quite sure what to do. He's asking Jesus questions. Are you king of the Jews? Are you not king of the Jews? What does this mean? He even says, what is truth at one point? He's got all sorts of questions, a lot of uncertainty. All the, the chief priests, the Pharisees, all of them, they're, they're sneaking Jesus into court at night I'm not sure how this is going to go. I'm not sure if they did this during the daytime, that things would turn out the way they want it to. And they're not even entirely sure how things are going to go afterwards, right? They're going to roll a stone and, and place some guards there because they're not sure if there's going to be a revolt. There's, there's all sorts of uncertainty over here. That's the lie of the world. That we just don't know. No way you can know. It's hard to say. Anything could happen. In God's kingdom, there's nothing but certainty. It is absolutely clear Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. He is God become man. He did die for your sins. He was raised from the dead. These things aren't in question. This is certain. And I know we, we find ourselves living here being like, yeah, I, I almost always believe that. I almost always really fully, but sometimes I have questions. So sometimes I don't understand. Sometimes my, my heart wanders from, from full faith in what I know is certain, and I, and I don't know I don't understand this world. 
I don't know why my life didn't go the way I wanted it to go and, and, and work isn't going the way and, and why that happened and all of these things we don't get, we don't understand. Well, of course. Of course you don't. It's this world. This kingdom. This place. What we know is what we ought to be holding on to and holding fast to because it's true. It's a lot about the world, the kingdom of the world, this, this place in which we live that is uncertain, but here, here we have things that are certain, that are true, that we can hold fast to. Not a, not a few things, many things, but if you only hold fast to a few, it's enough. It is like being tethered in a storm as, as a ship out in the bay. This huge storm comes rolling through. You only need one really good anchor. You only need to be held fast in one spot. The rocks and the uncertainty of the shore and all of the things that are over there. If this cuts free and you drift, I don't know. I don't know, maybe it'll be a disastrous crash of a life. Maybe you'll just beach on the shore. Maybe there will be pain and suffering and death, or maybe there will be just discomfort. I, I don't know, but that's terrifying. Then I don't know. Not knowing and uncertainty isn't good. To simply say, who knows? It's hard to say. Is scary especially if there's something that can be known and understood for sure and certain. And if it is a God who loves us, then he would give to us certainty. And he would speak to us in ways that are certain. Like, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And leave no room for uncertainty. He who believes in me, though he perish, will never die, certainly. Trust in what we know. And when you feel the uncertainty of the world creeping in, causing you distress and anxiety, reach back for that anchor, grab tight to that rope, and just start pulling yourself back to what is sure and certain and true. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to its mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. not enough time to do it justice. These two, two realities, two ways of seeing, two ways of experiencing, one full of lies, full of sin, and pain and suffering, one full of truth and joy and gladness, two kingdoms, two worlds so separated and distinct from each other because of sin. Not with a hundred more sermons could I get to every last detail of it. But where we finish is where it finishes. It is finished. Words that, that break hearts and lives, ruin careers, kill and destroy. The marriage is finished. Family is finished. Business is finished. My life as I know it is finished. Jesus, his ministry, finished. This movement, disciples, the Baptist, the miracle is finished. It's over. It's time to weep. Or, it's finished. It's over. The grip death has on us is gone. The suffering, the pain, the body that is broken, it's finished. The, the ugliness, the lying, the deceit, the pain, the attacks, the, the anger, it's finished. There's only one Jesus, and there are these two. And this is the purpose and point. It reaches into this world, and he reaches into this. And finally, the two can find a place to have one foot in each, to live a life that does acknowledge this world is sinful and broken, not the kingdom of God. But we have a king 
whose kingdom is just as real, whose message is true and certain, who loves. And he takes this world and he flips it upside down for the new world that is to come. Where in this place, the innocent are declared guilty, we who are guilty are declared innocent. And those who suffered and those who were broken and harmed and cast aside are brought close to the king to sit at his banquet table. This is true. Not just because I want it to be true. Not just because it sounds so true. Because it is true. And that feeling you have that you know it's true, that's faith. It's true. These two worlds brought together tonight in a way that could not be more dichotomous. Sorry for using a stupid word. In a way where we see the most beautiful, precious, wonderful, glorious, just fantastic sight. A man broken and beaten and killed and hung on a cross. For me. Amen.